Margaret Ann Sadovsky, our first in command. Goldie, sometimes called Boom Boom. Betty Seafried, our first lieutenant. Lana, Loretta McGuire. Rita, sometimes called Red and Fireball. Elizabeth O'Hagan. Maddie, sometimes called Monkey or Killer. Madeline Faith Wirtz. Yes, Foxfire afterward became larger. Things loosened. Things wobbled out of control, and there were too many of us. For instance, there was initiated into Foxfire a certain protege of Goldie Seafried's, Vivi, or the Enforcer, whose name I refuse to record. We all lived in the same neighborhood in the South End of what's still called Lower Town in Hammond, New York, meaning more or less what it says, or describes, on lower ground than uptown. As a girl, I loved to study maps. Maps of the solar system and the Earth, but maps, too, of local regions, tracing how a street familiar as Fairfax, where my mother and I lived, connected outward to other streets, roads, highways, connecting to the nation, the continent, the Earth. It fascinated me that starting here, you could move eventually to there. From any point in the universe, you could travel to any other point, if you had the power. Like Leg Sadovsky, that day in the museum when we saw the Tree of Life, how it connected things living and dead, and she brooding, saying finally, You'd think our species would count for more than that. In surprise and disgust for how small Homo sapiens was revealed after all. Such truths Foxfire made softer. Thinking of this, though, leafing through Maddie Wirtz's notebook, wondering how to proceed, I realized that there were deep, unarticulated connections among the Foxfire sisters we couldn't know at the time. The things that link us the deepest we can't feel. Except if they're taken from us. Night. A hard, bone-bright moon. A sky fissured with clouds. And she's been running for hours, hundreds of miles. She hears sirens pursuing her. But nobody's going to lay hands on her. She's too smart, and she's too fast. From Plattsburgh up north, near the Canadian border, where by order of the State Department of Human Welfare Services, she'd been sent 18 days previous to live with her grandmother because the Sadovsky household had been officially designated as unsuitable for a minor. To Hammond and Lower Fairfax Avenue, she's been running now, leaping and flying effortlessly across the rooftops of the brownstone row houses. Where there's a space between one roof and the next, she doesn't break her stride, doesn't hesitate, simply tenses her long, muscle-hard legs, knowing she isn't going to fall, leaping from one side to the other, her teeth bared as if in anger. But it's happiness, because she's free. She has escaped the place they believed they could send her as if they had power over her. Like a blind creature with an unfailing spatial memory, Legs knows the houses whose roofs she crosses. Family by family she can identify the tenants. Their downstairs rooms darken now, but here and there an upstairs room still lit. Her fingers are stiff like exposed bone. But fuck it. 
Legs is almost at her destination. Neon lit windows up the block. The Shamrock Tavern, Buffalo's Cafe, and A.C. Ducey's, which Legs has memorized, having been brought to these beer joints by her parents for years, and then, after her mother's death, by her father. And probably at this very moment, Ab Sadovsky is standing at the bar of, say, A.C. Ducey's, drinking in the company of Muriel and their friends. But Legs won't think of him or of Muriel and of that unsuitable environment. She knows her official residence is the first place they'll look if Grandma reports her missing, but Legs isn't thinking of any of this now. She's where instinct has guided her, the roof at 388 Fairfax, gawky, graceful, and shrewd-muscled as her comic book heroine Sheena the Jungle Girl, lowering herself onto the rusted fire escape, and down, now crouching outside a window, the room...